0: are listening to the Unsung Lung Podcast, presented by Alberta Lung. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the Unsung Lung Podcast. You guessed correctly, my name is Jacob Sperling, and I am so excited to get into our interview today. I only have one bit of housekeeping before we get into the metaphorical meat and potatoes of our show. A reminder that Tackle Radon is now in full swing. If you listened to last month's show, you'll remember that Tackle Radon is a Western Canada wide Radon Awareness Campaign, combining the talents of lung health charities and CFL players from across the country. If you have not yet purchased a radon test kit or tested your home for radon, please visit Tackleradon.ca to purchase your very own kit and find out your home's radon levels. I truly mean when I say that doing this small step today can save your, your children, your spouses, anyone who lives in your home's life in the future. It may not yield results immediately, but I can promise that if the radon levels in your home are high and you install a radon mitigation system, saving yourself and your loved ones from the second leading cause of lung cancer will pay dividends tenfold. If you'd rather purchase your kit directly through Alberta Lung, you can easily do this by going to ablung.ca and navigating your way to the radon portion of our website. The entire process is super easy and you'll Feel better knowing the levels of your radon uh, of the of radon in your household and you'll be able to take action if need be. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Our guest is Chris Sadler. He is the founder of Walk to Breathe, which is an initiative in support of Alberta Lung and the transplant programs that we offer. Chris's father was diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis and was in need of a lung transplant, a double lung transplant at that. He is currently six years post-transplant. Walk to Breathe was started by Chris to raise awareness for lung transplant and the obstacles that come with the intensive procedure. The last two years, uh, Chris walked 840 kilometers to raise awareness. This year, the initiative has moved online and we are so excited to have the entire province to walk along with us. The initiative ran from September 7th to 17th, so unfortunately, by the time this podcast goes live, it will already be too late to participate. However, you can certainly still donate to the cause that Walk to Breathe was in support of, that is, our Breathing Space Project. For those who didn't hear my previous episode with Alberta Lung President and CEO, Lee Allard, we spoke about Breathing Space and how it will be the most amazing amazing lung transplant home away from home for patients and their caretaker to stay at in Edmonton. I'll speak about Breathing Space a little with Chris, but for now, let's jump into the interview with him and learn more about Walk to Breathe and how it's helping spread lung transplant awareness across the province. I am very excited to welcome the founder of Walk to Breathe, Chris Sadler, on the Unsung Lung podcast today. How's it going, Chris?
1: Good, sir. How are you doing? Good uh, Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm so excited for a for conversation. So maybe before we dive into pulmonary fibrosis and Walk to Breathe and all of that good stuff that we love to talk about on the podcast, um, maybe you could give us just, uh, and our listeners, a little bit of a background on not not even lung health related what what do you do in your day-to-day what what do you any hobbies anything like that just a little bit of a a warm welcome in
1: yeah fair enough um I'm pretty uh pretty average guy you know I uh I love music all kinds of genres all kinds of uh you know from the classics to the new stuff to country to everything so music is a big thing for me um hand in hand with uh with that, I strap in the uh, the earphones and go for uh, for long power walks, or at least that's what I've done a good chunk of my life. And uh, as we talk a little bit more, you'll you'll hear uh, sort of how that worked into to you know what we're talking about and and some of the obstacles that I've hit this year as well. But uh, you know, just getting out and uh, staying active and and uh, you know spending time with my my daughter as much as I can. She's not getting any younger. Um, you know, that's it. Aside from that, I'm a pretty average guy. I like my downtime. I like my social time. Uh, There's, there's gotta be a balance in there somewhere for sure. And travel who doesn't, who doesn't love to travel. And I hope to get back to that a little bit more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. That's, that's so amazing. So before we dive into walk to breathe and all of the good that has come from that specifically, I want to discuss a little bit of the early days of your father's lung health journey. And that's what this all stems from. So Maybe you can give us a little bit of a deep dive into what the process was like of learning that your father had idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis.
1: Yeah, the the process, you know, that's a that's a tough one because we got thrust into this as a family. Uh, obviously, my my father, as the patient, had to deal with that directly. but the uh, the ripple effects that it has on the family and you know, all of us, including my dad, nobody nobody had ever heard of idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis. Uh, if we had, we certainly didn't uh, didn't know what it was all about and and to to what degree. So, you know, there was some process involved right there to the fact that, uh, you know, a side story when uh, when he was diagnosed and, and the doctor said, uh, OK, we're going to get you on an oxygen tank. Uh, you're going to have to carry that around um, uh, wherever you go. Uh, he said, eh, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate that. But I'm good. I'm fine. He he was so, uh, for lack of a better term, ignorant to the to the uh, to the severity of it that he just thought, no, nah, you know what, I'll tough it out. I can tough it out, but he didn't realize until he he went headfirst into the, uh, you know, the documents and uh, and all the write-ups that that he was sent home with him and my mom. That uh, a light bulb went off above their head and just thought, "Holy cow! We were treating this fairly lightly. What are we reading here? They're talking about morbidity rates. They're talking about." Uh, you know, lung transplant, you know, it wasn't just a matter of, yeah, I might have to carry an oxygen tank around the rest of my life. It's so much uh, more severe than that. So that's part of the process is, you know, I don't feel that, uh, that I handled it properly when I first found out about it, because they hadn't gone into all the ins and outs with me yet. So I just thought, Oh geez, Dad, that's a that's a tough one. I'm sorry to hear that. Whatever you need, I'm there to help you out. And and I thought it was going to be a struggle. I didn't think it was going to be, um, you know, looking at at death. You know, I I didn't think we'd be looking at imminent death if if uh, if a double lung transplant didn't come into play. So anyway, he was he was diagnosed with that. There was no uh, cause for what he got. That's the idiopathic part of it. Um, certainly, no no cure for it. Um, the only cure for my father was a uh, a double lung transplant. And you know what, Jacob? I tell people this, and and here here's uh, my element of ignorance: is I didn't even know a double lung transplant was a thing. I've uh, said to so many people, you know, if I hear you need a lung transplant, you're in a bad way. I'm sorry to hear that. If you need a double lung transplant, holy cow how much time do you have to live? Because that's not even possible. I didn't know, you know, I honestly didn't know. Uh, Thankfully it is possible. My father had it back in July, 2016, and he's still with us today.
0: Amazing. I'm so glad to hear that. So yeah, that's such an interesting process and kind of like just the, I don't want to, I guess, I guess you did mention kind of the ignorance, but that kind of happens a lot with lung disease. I feel like, and just it's prevalent, but it's not people just kind of bat an eye to it. So when when you did learn about his diagnosis and and that really the only remedy for him was that double lung transplant, what was the reaction of you and your family and, and maybe your daughter? I guess she, maybe she was too young, but I guess your family in general.
1: Yeah, um, you know, it was obviously, t- there was a little bit of shock and, and, and uh, you know, I wasn't there. It was over the phone because I'm in Edmonton. They live in Calgary. So I heard about it over the phone. Uh, wasn't there to, you know, uh offer my my support through a hug or something like that um or or a face-to-face chat. So, you know, I felt a little bit distant at that point. Um, you know, my my parents are in Calgary. They're surrounded with my uh my brother and his family. Um they have uh two grandkids or you know my parents uh you know you know what I mean. And uh and then my sister and her husband uh, live in Calgary as well. So they were, you know, they had a good support system. Our family is close. Um you know as I think this brought us much closer, you know, not that we were never clothed, but something like this just has a way of bringing uh, things into proper perspective. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the ignorance and the the negative stigmas and stuff like that. Um, Not only for for us uh, or for people when they hear about it, but just some of the the things that people don't even realize um, can affect your lungs. So many, so many ailments fall under, the Alberta lung umbrella. And we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more, but as far as the, um, you know, as far as the process and, and how we dealt with it, you know, we just, we just sort of had to, if, if there was uh, some, some self-reflection and, and some, some, some tears um, uh, and, and some fear, uh, a lot of that I'd say was behind closed doors. Uh, people deal with stuff in their own way, but uh, yeah, once we realized how severe it was um, I was you know, of course, finding myself back to Calgary to visit as much as I possibly could, um, rearranging my schedule as much as I possibly could. Um, and, you know, stuff like that did uh, bring the family together because we knew we were up uh, up against a pretty tough battle uh, for dad and uh, and and the, the ripple effects and the stress uh, for a family as well.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's crazy how how it's unfortunate but but sad events like that can bring people together i think back to when my uncle passed away um suddenly from cancer and it just caught everybody off guard he was young and and it it it, it has negative effects always you might lose that person or you're scared to lose that person in your case of your dad um but i mean it brings people together which which is good at the end of the day so Next question kind of revolves around just what was the process like of metaphorically getting all your ducks in a row and helping your father along his lung transplant journey so I guess jumping right from diagnosis to we're going to get a lung transplant and maybe how long was that uh, that actual duration as well between finding out and 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 transplant day.
1: Well, um, I don't think they'd ever come right out and tell me. I do feel that uh, they knew the severity of it. My my mom and my my dad knew the severity of it. <coughs> excuse me, um, for a little bit longer than uh, than I found out. Um, maybe because they were still trying to process it and learning more about it before they 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 wanted to to uh, you know scare anybody with anything. So I found out uh, really in in about August of 2015 that there was. Um, you know, uh, a, a year. He was given a year. Okay. So August to or I think in August 2016. So, you know, I remember going to Calgary and and uh having a, a family dinner out uh at a at a steakhouse in, in Calgary uh for my dad's birthday uh that September of 2015. And that's the first time I had seen him since I heard it. And uh that was that was a tough one. That was a very emotional uh, day for me because we didn't know you know, uh, let's face it. We didn't know if that was going to be the the last birthday we ever celebrated with him. Um, you know, that one was tough. Just even walking in and seeing him, I just sort of had to uh, clear my throat, and of course, uh, you know, being stubborn, put on a brave face, and uh, and stuff like that. Uh, you know, trying not to show the emotions, but it was very, very emotional. Um, you know, and uh, but we just knew that uh, that we all had to be strong. And so when you go through something like this, you have to have a support person. Uh, someone that is designated to be your support person every single step of the way. And of course, uh, in this, my mom, you know, <clears throat> she, she was really the, the, the rock of the family, toughest, toughest person, forget about woman, but toughest person I've ever known in my life. Uh, she'll just power through anything and, and she'll just, uh, she'll keep herself together. And, and, um, you know, she, she certainly did that and, and she was a very calming, uh, um aspect through all of it and and that's really all we could do is spend as much time as we could quality time and we you know again i i keep uh, i keep saying that it's not like we 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 hadn't done that our entire life we tried to but uh, living in different cities and and all that kind of stuff growing up and life takes over you you don't realize that oh my goodness a few months have gone by since i saw my parents uh so uh, you know more effort to get there as much as we could and and just really have that quality time was was really the process uh, and then in in May of 2016, the two of them had to come up to Edmonton for a boot camp. Uh, he was on the transplant list. My father was uh, no indication or guarantee that he was ever going to get that transplant. But uh, you have to come up for a, a month long boot camp, and and you you know, you go through the psychological uh, training, if you will, and the the physical training and, and testing, and and you know all that stuff with a group of people, and and you go through this boot camp. And, uh, you know, it was, it was some long days for, for my dad and my mom, they were, you know, um, away from home for a month, they had to live by the hospital. So they weren't staying with me at the time. Um, But those are out of pocket expenses. And we'll get into that uh, in a few minutes as well, Jacob, but the, uh, you know, when anybody goes through a a transplant ordeal like this, Edmonton is one of only three transplant centers in the entire, the entire country. So we're blessed to have that in our backyard. I don't mean here in Edmonton where I am and and uh you know i'm talking about western canada backyard of western canada that's you got to consider how close that is um but y- you know you have to come up the travel expenses for you and your support person and the accommodations and and having to eat out and do this and do that you know the the costs are absolutely it can be astronomical the uh the average for a person and their support person um is $80,000. That's the average out of pocket expense for people that have to come go through that. Um you know and and some people unfortunately choose uh choose not to go with the lung transplant, which obviously has some pretty dire consequences at the end of it if you don't decide to do that, uh, but they'd rather do that than put themselves and their their families through financial ruin. So, you know, <clears throat> got a little off track there, but that that tells you about the 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 next step was the boot camp and really seeing that this is this is really holy cow. This is this is in my face now. This is real. This I'm seeing them every day, and I'm I'm, I'm seeing the struggles, and uh, and 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 you know if you if you're not prepared for it, and how do you prepare for something like that, right? Um, but, uh, you know, the, the process of, of even hearing that my dad had to get a tooth fixed before, you know, if he got the call for a transplant and he had a cracked tooth, for example, they, they may turn him down because of the possibility for infection mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff that I just never thought was, uh, what are you talking about? I was just stunned every step of the way. And, uh, you know, that's through May. All of a sudden, uh, July comes uh, and uh, my dad's starting to look not good. You know his oxygen levels are about as high as they can be. Um, you know we're creeping up on the uh, the quote unquote deadline that he was he was given for life expectancy without a transplant, and it was it was getting pretty dire. And then he got the call on July 22nd of 2016. He remembers exactly where he was, what he was doing. I remember exactly where I was when I got the call. I knew they were on their way. Um, you know, and that's uh, the next uh, the next day uh, he was he was in surgery for. Oh, I think it was eight hours or more for uh, for a double lung transplant and that saved his life.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible to hear. And and just how you mentioned the the general obstacles to, to facing Canadians. We we've talked about that previously in the show. That Canada system is incredible for for health. We have a great social health care system, but people don't realize that things aren't always free. Obviously, drugs aren't always free for people. That that can be a real setback. Um, yeah. But transplants like this. Eighty thousand dollars—that's insurmountable for for a lot of the population. I I, I can fairly say, and just to think about that—if you need it, like you said, kind of the bumper sticker of lung transplant. Not bumper sticker; it's it's a sad one. But lots of people forgo putting their family and financial ruin over being able to save their own lives and continue on living. So it's horrible, but that that's just the reality. So, and speaking of the general. Uh, obstacles specifically financial and and we don't have to get into that with your specific case but in terms of maybe your dad maybe yourself what were the obstacles in that process (laughs) leading up to the lung transplant and maybe in the days and weeks afterwards
1: uh the obstacles leading into the transplant and post-transplant
0: yeah yeah any any major things like you you mentioned the boot camp that was obviously a big obstacle and having to come here and, and live but were there any i guess i don't want to say hiccups but What were the biggest things that you could think of that kind of that stood out and kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say made you upset, but we're just we're just hard to get past.
1: Um, You know what? There's not a ton, Jacob. Um, The obstacles for me was really not being as close as, as I would like to be through that time. Um, uh, you know, I have a full-time job here in Edmonton and I have a family and my daughter keeps me busy and extracurricular activities and stuff like that. So I wasn't going to, so that was an obstacle for me. And that, that did weigh fairly hard on me, but, uh, you know, made the best of it. Right. So as far as obstacles, not too many because the boot camp and it, I mean, all the obstacles were for my parents and, and the travel and having to live out of a bag and back and forth to Calgary and Edmonton. And I'll tell you though, when you, uh, when you go, and get set up with your boot camp and your transplant team. The <clears throat> every T is crossed. Every I is dotted. They take this and say, "Here's where you're going to be. Here's what you're going to do. You got to be here at this time. You got to be at this time." So there was very little guesswork involved, at least as far as I knew. Jacob, again, uh, my parents—they're—they're uh, they're pretty uh, pretty strong people. They—they—they might have just, uh, you know, kept some of that stuff and, and powered through it on their own. But I don't think there were too many obstacles. The one I would say jumped out for me, and—and and this is selfish, and—and uh, and, uh, you know, selfish for for my family um is that he was in the boot camp with about uh i think it was five other people that were also on the the transplant list and i i, I had a chance to 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 see them and meet them while they were here in edmonton for the boot camp and uh, lovely people um <clears throat> some of them my, my parents are still in uh, unfortunately a couple of them have passed away um Uh, but the other ones, my, my parents are still in in close contact with, that's a, you know, life-changing relationships, right? So they're still in contact, but, uh, you know, and I, and I feel bad even saying this, but, uh, I could see each one of them. And I just felt my dad was so, so much further along in his illness that he was just not looking good. He was not looking like he was, he was going to survive much longer. And it was just, and then other people in the group got the call before he did. And that was an obstacle for me. um I'm hearing myself say, it, and I, I I sound like a sound like a jerk for saying it, but you know, in, in that point, family comes first. um, yeah. why isn't my dad in there? And uh, again, goes back to my my unknowing and my my ignorance. Well, it's not just the first set of longs that come up. you have to be compatible. you know, uh, uh, you have to be certain certain matches for this, certain matches for that. so, Obviously, I knew that, but the the selfishness crept in and that was an obstacle for me. But um, sure enough, you know, within uh, I think about, you know, a few weeks of everybody in the group, most everybody got a transplant around the same time. So it did work out. And uh, I'm happy to say that my my father actually uh, seems to have a very, very good set of lungs. Uh, Those have not posed him too many problems over the last six years. So that's fantastic.
0: Perfect. Yeah, that's amazing. And I don't think I, I I don't know you well enough, Chris, to to comment, but I don't think you need validation in that and in, in putting family first, first, like, I, I think anyone would do the same thing. And you'd kind of be crazy not to you're always, you're always trying to look out for those you're closest to. And, and even if you're not commenting to those people, obviously, you wouldn't do that. But it's in the back of your head. If, if it wasn't, you probably wouldn't be human. So, yeah, th- I appreciate so, that. Yeah,
1: appreciate yeah. that
0: yeah so um i I do want to switch gears now so thank you for that really really awesome history on and and i learned personally some some things about lung transplant i never heard about this boot camp so learning new things every day which is amazing so uh, as i said switching gears to your walk to breathe campaign i'm just curious what spurred the thought of starting this initiative as general of a question as that is
1: um, you know what? It's not really a general question. Uh, it's, 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 no problem at all. I've, I've told this story a few times because, uh, it's sort of taken on a life of its own. So obviously the ordeal we went through with my father, that was the inspiration, um, for the walk to breathe. Um, I do, as I mentioned earlier, I, I like to get out and walk. I don't, uh, you know, I'm not a marathon runner. I'm not a jogger. I'm not, a Uh, an avid cyclist although I enjoy that you know when I get out and just get some 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 walking some outdoor time I like to walk I like to go hike uh, through the river valley whatever the case may be I just like to get out and I sort of thought you know Few years after the transplant, I just felt like I needed to to do something. I wanted to do something. I wanted to sort of challenge myself. I wanted to do something good. I, I guess I was at that point call it a midlife crisis or or what. I just thought, started thinking, what have I done in my life to to help others? And and I have over the years. I I get involved with charity. I, I've donated to charity. I, I volunteer and, and stuff like that throughout my life. But what have I really done? And uh, what can I do to you know uh help other people and if i'm going to help a charity what charity is it well i didn't have to look too far for that right it had to be uh had to be alberta lung because um you know my father had idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis but through this whole process that we talked about and learning everything over the years i was stunned to realize how many things actually so you know i could have got involved with a a specific division Uh, you know, there's the Pulmonary Fibrosis Society, there's the Lung Cancer Society, there's Cystic Fibrosis, there's everything. You mold that all together, and then you look at everyday terms like sleep apnea and asthma, the flu and bronchitis. Jacob, these all fall under the Alberta lung umbrella. So I just thought that was the, the charity that I wanted to go through. If you've ever watched a human being struggle to breathe, it's absolutely devastating and heart-wrenching to watch um so you know it's just it's not just ipf like my father had that uh that uh, takes your breath away it's uh babies born in the hospital with severe asthma some of those babies unfortunately never leave the hospital um you know uh athletes that uh that have their sights set on a, on an athletic career you know cut short because of um you know uh, whether it be asthma or uh, complications from bronchitis it's just these are such everyday terms and this goes to the the overall ignorance uh and and negative stigma that i had alluded to before there's so much of that out there that way too many people uh still think that lung disease um belongs to old smokers yeah you know and that's uh that's that's what, knowing what i know now um i can understand that if you're not educated to the the everything that falls under the the umbrella but once you understand i feel that's where we've really made some inroads the last few years is is the education process and raising the awareness and trying to knock down that negative stigma as much as raising funds i think the awareness you know uh, once once we stop talking about it people will forget about it and they'll go that's just how life works so as long as i can stay uh active with alberta lung and they're tremendous to work with um you know i approached them i am the founder of the walk but let's let's make no mistake about it uh that just means i had the idea and i wanted to start it and uh but they they've been my right arm through all of this and and then some so it definitely is a joint effort between the two and uh, that's how the walk to breathe was started back in uh, 2020
0: yeah that's really amazing to know and just going back to your point about uh, an old smoker's disease lung disease in general there are so many genetic forms of lung disease and and we could that could be a podcast in and of itself so we're not going to go down that rabbit hole but just just to know if, if for whoever's listening to this if you're listening for one reason or another just know i i guess just have sympathy is what we're pleading with right and, and even get educated and 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 learn about these various diseases so and in piggybacking off of the last question obviously you you've mentioned how you love to get outside and you love to walk the the what what i'm wondering is why you chose walking specifically and obviously it's because you love to do it but the sheer distance obviously we haven't talked about that yet but you you could have done some kind of big event to raise funds and awareness or maybe organized a 50 50 for fundraising but you chose to walk from lethbridge to edmonton if that i believe that's correct uh so why this form of awareness
1: yeah. So the so the first year. So I just thought, uh, you know, walking the the highways with a, uh, I, I had this vision. Um, you know, there's all kinds of walks and runs and relays and, and golf tournaments and stuff like that that are that are team events and fundraisers and stuff like that. And um, you know, we we've sort of we've sort of gotten into that a little bit this year for a couple of different reasons. How it started, though, you know, the the inspiration came from my father my determination in, in, in doing this and continually doing this over the the last few years is for all Albertans that struggle to breathe every day. And that's, that's why I wanted to do. So the first year I decided to go Calgary, my hometown, start in Calgary and walk back to Edmonton and and, and finish it in my, you know, my, my current home, my current city, Uh, because it wasn't just an Edmonton initiative. I wanted it to be you know uh, an Alberta wide initiative there are almost a million Albertans every single day that struggle to breathe one in 5 Albertans will be affected by this and it's not going away anytime soon so i just thought having that visual and being able to tell my story um you know it became a second full time job very very quickly um trying to get sponsors trying to raise money doing all the social media setting up interviews uh, radio, television, everyone was fantastic. I just thought that visual aspect and and sort of taking what I do in my profession, and uh, and, and <clears throat> you know working that into to building that awareness. I just I really felt a visual was necessary. So uh, a, a guy walking down the highway, whether it's snowing, raining, windy, cold, whatever, um, and a a, a a logoed vehicle with big signs that say "Walk to Breathe," you know given an indication what we're doing, it's just, it's a reason to start that conversation. And once that conversation is started, uh, it, it can continue to go. So I, I just thought, you know, what I'm doing already on a regular basis, walking, <laughs> let's uh, let's turn that into doing something, uh, something good, create that visual, start that conversation. We made some really good inroads the first year. We, we had a goal. Uh, we met that goal and exceeded that goal. Um, and everyone, uh, shouldn't say everyone, but everyone wondered, um, you know, was this a one-off just to, to, to gain some, uh, some awareness for Alberta Long? Yeah, it, that's, it, it was to, to gain the awareness, but I don't think our job was done yet. So I decided, okay, Calgary to Edmonton, two largest centers did that the first year we're missing out on a huge corridor of the province. So I decided, to challenge myself um, and and hit more people with our awareness down through the Southern Alberta corridor as well. So I went Lethbridge back to Edmonton last year, over 17 days, over 30 kilometers a day. Uh, We hit some tremendous uh, uh, weather patterns, extreme heat and, and uh, you know, it was the smoke last year, everything. But um, you know, we really felt like we made bigger inroads hitting more people last year and that's not to negate the northern part of it, the the, the Fort McLeod's, the, the Grand Prairie's, Peace Rivers, Lloyd Minster's, all that, they were all part of it as well. And we can't thank uh, uh, everybody enough from all over the province, but it took on a life of its own. And, uh, you know, last year was symbolic. We crossed the finish line. My mother, my father and I, arm in arm, uh, five years to the day of his uh, double lung transplant. So oh. um, a lot of people thought that was symbolic and uh, that was sort of the the end of it. Well, it just so happened that was his fifth anniversary, but that didn't mean our job was done. So we tried to do it again this year mm-hmm. and uh, uh, found that left bridge to Edmonton corridor was was really strong. And there's a lot of room to build on that. Um, I've, I I ran into some physical problems this year. So we had to change our focus and uh, and do something a little bit different this year.
0: For sure. Uh, we'll, we'll touch on that, certainly, and, and how the event is virtual this year. I, I can't help... <clears throat> but draw the comparison though. And I, I don't know if I thought about this prior to today, but I, the the thought is popping into my head right now. I have to draw the comparison to, between the walk to breathe and Terry Fox's run. Did you ever, did you get any inspiration from that? Did you, what was there comparisons that you heard from people?
1: Yeah. You know what? That's a good question, Jacob. I've, uh, I've been asked that a few times over the last couple of years. And, uh, First of all, did I get inspiration? I think everybody and their dog, not only in Alberta but across Canada and around the world, is inspired to this day by the Terry Fox story. It's absolutely, it's it's an untouchable feat. Um, so, do I put myself in that? Do I do I compare my not in any way, shape, or form? Uh, that was a that was a level unto itself, and uh, can't give that uh, that um, effort uh, uh, enough you know praise so for me it was just something where you know i had a story to tell uh my father became <laughs> I, I say my father became the rock star the first year because the first year i was walking but the support vehicle behind me um was you know an rv and my parents literally every step of the way were behind me because they drove the rv so my dad became the people would uh, would stop us at our rest stops they'd pull us over on the side of the road and ask if they could donate. And they wanted to get pictures with my dad. They wanted to talk to my dad because they had just been diagnosed or they lost a family member or a close buddy. And he became the rock star of that. Of course, my mom as well, because, uh, you know, just these, the, the sweetest people in the world, just uh, hurling down the highway at about three kilometers an hour, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, staring at my backside for, uh, for the entire trip. So, um, you know, the, uh, the, uh, <clears throat> there are some similarities it's not lost on me that the you know the the vehicle and the, the walk and stuff like that but not in any way shape or form do i compare myself to that but if people can uh can take notice of something going down the highway and uh and it starts that that's really what it comes back to for me is is uh starting that um conversation asking you know what are you guys doing what am i donating to here oh i did hear about this or i saw you on the news can i please donate people doing uh you know pulling over on the side of the highway uh driving up doing a u-turn at the next intersection come back and 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 want to give me money that's that's fantastic and you know what Jacob I'm not here in any way to take a pat on the back or the accolades I have no desire for that. I don't uh, care to do the interviews. Uh, my face doesn't need to be on TV. my voice doesn't need to be on these interviews. It just so happens that I have a story to tell that we found out has really touched a lot of people. Again, my father became a bit of a rock star the first year and uh, he's uh, humble, so he didn't uh, he didn't care much for that, but <laughs> all in stride, right? Um, but it started that conversation and all of a sudden people felt that, you know, finally, uh, although I struggle to breathe, nobody understands what I'm going through. Nobody is talking about what I'm going through. Nobody cares what I'm going through, um, like like maybe some other charities do. Lung disease is not a sexy charity for a lot of people to donate to because it does have that negative stigma that we talked about. So we need to knock down that stigma, talk about it more, realize the uh, tremendous importance of Alberta Lung, uh, because I can I can I can pretty much guarantee this: one in five Albertans right now are afflicted with some form of lung disease. Again, asthma, bronchitis, sleep apnea, uh, IPF, COPD, all that stuff falls under Alberta Lung. Those are the people afflicted by it. Think of the ripple effect. So it affected myself, my brother, my sister, my mother, our our in-laws, our friends, our family, neighbors. Um, there's a ripple effect and everybody in Alberta will be touched by some form of lung disease, whether directly or indirectly, and you will watch a human, human being struggle to breathe. And, uh, and I hope you remember, um, you know, Alberta lung when, when it comes to that, because they are, uh, uh, you know, among the highest, uh, lung disease is among the highest mortality, excuse me, mortality and morbidity, morbidity rates in the top three, Yeah. You know, and the highest when you when you factor everything in yeah, they're so grossly, grossly underfunded that they need that conversation. They need those donations. They need that support. And if I can uh, if I can help out in my in my small way with the walk to breathe, to me, that's what it's all about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. You (coughs) may. I will mention that you might not like to draw those comparisons and and obviously not seeking the fame or anything like that. But I will draw them for you and I will give you a pat on the back every single day that we can. So Absolutely. But uh, speaking of this, this year's walk, it is virtual, as you mentioned before. So I'm just wondering if you can explain to our listeners why it was, I'll say it was because it's it's finished now, it ended on September 17th, why it was so yeah. uh, important to keep the momentum going through, uh, although your, your actual physio, physical walk couldn't take place this year.
1: So it was a little disappointing. I started uh, planning for the left bridge to Edmonton walk this year. And, and, you know, we, we find that uh, if I do this annually, if I'm able to do this annually, that left bridge to Edmonton corridor really is uh, a great way to, to, you know, it's a main, main corridor hitting the four largest markets and then branching out from there to the, uh, you know, Northern cities and and East and Western cities that we aren't walking through, right. We want to make this uh, Alberta wide through and through. So, um it was disappointing i was working on that and uh and uh, the, the first couple months of this year i was walking with the aid of a cane okay um i am a middle-aged man uh 47 years old uh any athletic prowess that i may have had 20 years ago uh is is behind me um i suffer from arthritis and gout flare-ups, and I have for many, many years. So long story short, um, I had to go to the doctor and say, why? I, I, I can't walk. Something's wrong. Anyway, uh, I have some bone and ligament damage, and that's uh, compounded over the years because of uh, gout flare-ups and, and, and uric acid, acid crystals between my joints. So I have some bone erosion, uh, some ligament damage. Um, I heeded their advice not to walk this year, um, and it was very disappointing because I thought that we were going to lose some momentum. And then uh, Alberta Lung popped up and said, no, we're not, we're not doing that at all. You take care of yourself. Our goal is to get you back next year if you want to do it and the year after, but right now you need to heal. Uh, We're not losing this momentum. We can do this, take it virtually. We're going to touch, uh, you know, if you touch 10 people that can touch 10 other people, and then those people can touch another 20 people. It has that branch out uh, snowball effect. And that's what we did. So." Unfortunately, I pushed it as far as I possibly could to see if I was able to do the walk this year, and it was pretty late into the year, uh, into June and July, when uh, really I'm getting ready to start my walk, and then we realized we had to switch uh, switch gears, and we were promoting it throughout the summer for the, the walk in September, and we decided to do it uh, September 7th to the 17th this year uh symbolic to end it on the 17th uh that is my father's 73rd birthday and as i mentioned earlier in the interview that's uh you know we didn't know how many more birthdays uh we would have uh if any a few years ago so so it was uh, emotional and and it just seemed like the right thing to do and uh, that's why it went virtual this year my goal is to heal up and um and, and do it next year maybe it's a hybrid next year maybe i am out I, I really like that community feel and the, the shaking hands and the kissing babies in the communities that we're walking through. And that visual aspect, um, is fantastic, but, you know, to reach people virtually as well, uh, we saw some, some definite successes this year. And if, you know, maybe there's a hybrid or something, uh, let's put it this way. My relationship with Alberta lung is, is pretty strong right now. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So we'll, uh, we'll figure out how to keep uh, raising that awareness and, and, um, you know, letting people know that, that this needs a, a proper spotlight shone on it for good reason.
0: Amazing. Yeah. I I'd certainly hope that I'm able to interview you after your, after your third annual walk next year, that would be amazing and, and get some great stories and, and things like that. So we'll keep, we'll keep you in our thoughts and prayers and hope you get better and, and, and everything like that. So, this, this walk uh, is obviously intimately uh, tied to our new lung, transpl- uh, lung transplant facility at Alberta Lung called Breathing Space. So how much do you think that a house like this will help Canadians who really need a, tra- a lung transplant?
1: It's, uh, we are so blessed to have this coming. Uh, I mentioned earlier having the, the one of three transplant centers in the entire country here in our backyard, uh, world-class facilities. That should not be lost on anyone, how how special that is uh, that it's this close. Well, the breathing space is going to offset a lot of what I talked about through the boot camp and the recovery. You know, the recovery, uh, we talked about the boot camp and my parents having to be here for a month. Well, they were here for another three months post-transplant. And if you're coming from rural Alberta, rural Saskatchewan, uh, BC, you know, and you have to come and stay here for... For months and months at a time, that's where the costs uh, average—you know, eighty thousand dollars. That's where they tend to build up very, very quickly. So, what breathing space is? It's going to be that sanctuary for transplant patients and their families to come and help offset some of those accommodation costs. Um, I liken it to a Ronald McDonald House, if you will, for transplant patients. And uh, this is going to be a uh, a world class first of its kind please uh please note that first of its kind facility in canada right here in uh right here in alberta in uh, in edmonton so that's uh that's in the works and it truly is going to um be an emotional comfort um you know a, a an economical uh financial comfort um it, it truly is something to uh to be revered as 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 a very very special uh, project and Alberta Lung is uh, should be should be very excited that this is coming to Edmonton.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I always joked with my coworkers previously how I can't wait to be in the be in my new office and breathing space when we break ground, and it'll be so exciting and, and, and meeting with people every day and, and talking with patients and stuff like that. And unfortunately, as my listeners know, I, I'm no longer technically with Alberta Lung on on salaried, I guess, but still going with this podcast. And maybe one day, you never know have some policy work for me or something to do. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for Breathing Space to open. Um, I, I know I'll be there on opening day when it happens, certainly. So it's gonna be amazing. So this conversation has been truly amazing, Chris, I thank you for being here. I just kind of want to get a, a, a one minute speech, what your message would be to our listeners about why lung health and lung health awareness is so important, just from, from the bottom of your heart, pleading with burdens, whether that's to, to, to be respectful to people who are on an oxygen tank or yeah. for your own health or, or your family's, whatever that is, what, what would your your little mini-speech be, 12 burns.
1: Well, um, you know, obviously lung health is so vitally important. If you can't breathe, nothing else matters. It's a very simple saying. If you can't breathe and when you cannot breathe – nothing else matters. If you're not breathing, you're not living, right? Um, so people need to take care of their own lung health. I'm not here to to preach. I'm just here to say that, Hey, when you, uh, when you're uh, attached to an oxygen tank for the rest of your life, uh, is is that a whole lot of fun? Probably not. Um, and I say that cautiously because you uh, your father did, there was no reason cause for his pulmonary fibrosis um but uh the more you can take care of yourself great uh as far as you know as far as people that are going through it yeah the respect level um meaning just understand put yourself in their shoes you know uh if if you have the opportunity to to hear our message and and donate to the cause um I hope you do that because of what you've learned. Uh, the, the statistics, the one in five, almost a million Albertans every day that struggle to breathe. You know, the, the babies with asthma, the, uh, you know, people that, that who doesn't know somebody that that suffers from sleep apnea and, and wakes up a few times throughout the night? Well, that's a potentially deadly uh, disease and it falls under Alberta lung. Everyday stuff that people just need to shine a larger spotlight on. So if, uh, if they're hearing anything uh, now or they hear me talking about it, uh, two weeks down the road, or they heard me talking about it last year. I just hope that it stays top of mind for everybody because lung disease is something that, uh, you know, uh, the Alberta lung association or Alberta lung has to deal with every single day. And, uh, they're there to support, uh, they'll answer any questions, but there's only so much they can do, uh, once the conversation stops and once the funding stops and, uh, you know, they're they're doing a tremendous, tremendous job, but they absolutely need our help from every Albertan because every Albertan will be affected uh, by lung disease at some point in their life.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That is such a great message. So thank you for that, Chris. So perfect. I, I I would like to extend a massive thank you to you, uh, not only for being on the show today, but for starting walk to breathe that initiative and helping Alberta lung spread awareness about pulmonary fibrosis, lung transplant, and just lung health in general. So thank you so much for that.
1: Absolutely. Jacob, I am at your disposal. Anytime you want to talk about anything, I will make myself available because, uh, You know, I sound like a broken record, but once we stop talking about it, people will forget about it. We cannot afford that to happen. Um, You know, uh, the inspiration for the walk to breathe from my father and our family ordeal through all that. But again, the determination is for every Albertan across every race, every gender, um, you know, every age demographic. uh, It it doesn't discriminate. It will hit anyone and everyone at some point. So uh, let's just keep the conversation going.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, that is such an awesome message. So, I guess that'll wrap up our, our interview today, and I'll just send us right through to the outro. Wow, what a truly amazing episode with Chris. Once again, I'd like to extend the biggest of thank yous to him for coming on the show and sharing his vast knowledge of lung disease in Alberta. To be honest, I had no idea that Chris was so immersed in the statistics and experience of those with lung disease in our province and that just blew me away, and I am so grateful for it. So, just for my three final concluding thoughts, I'll start with the lung transplant boot camp that Chris discussed. I had never heard of that before in my nine months of working with Alberta Lung. So, obviously, as Chris, Chris mentioned, his father had to come up here and do almost a literal—not literal—he called it a boot camp—and and whether that was reaching a target weight. Or just learning about the procedures and everything that ha- that goes into this intensive surgery, I think it's it's incredible to think about how it's such an intensive thing to do, and 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 just yeah, I I can't imagine having to go through it, and and the strength that it takes to do something like that. My second point, my second final concluding thought is. About the average cost of a lung transplant in Alberta, and that being $80,000 to receive a lung transplant. That is incredible. And for most, I would say, is almost insurmountable. That's why we hear and how I've talked about, especially with Lee before in, pre- in, a, in the previous episode, about how some people choose death over financially ruining their families. And that's something that, on it's horrible, it's not good to think about, but it just... Show, it sheds a light on the true reality of things and, and and how i mentioned early in the show that while alberta's and canada's healthcare system is a great one it does have flaws and something like this to keep chris's father anyone who needs a lung transplant alive it could cost upwards of six figures which is crazy and and i think we have to keep that in mind keep keep that in mind when we're when we're donating to different charities in that in that always consider Alberta Lung. I I, I I I plead with you because things like this need awareness and they need to be talked about and and people need to be saved and people deserve a second chance at life, especially for for things of this nature, and it, it it's really needed. My final concluding thought is just about kind of in general, Chris's walk to breathe, but specifically the community engagement that it raised and whether that was people turning around on the highway to go and donate to him, stories shared, funds raised, anything like that. I think it's incredible how it brought people together and just really, obviously it raised awareness, but it raised awareness in a way that that is so sensational. And, and, and it's incredible to think about how the stories that were shared with Chris and that like, oh, my, my mother just had a, a double lung transplant or oh, my sister had a double lung tra- tra- transplant and this is this is the process. And just talking about that and giving feedback and and making the community stronger, I think it's really incredible how, how something like this is able to bring people together. So yeah, that, that wraps up my final thoughts for this edition of the Unsung Lung Podcast. Remember that although Walk to Breathe is done this year, you can still donate to the cause that it was in support of and will continue to be in support of for hopefully many years to come. And that is breathing space. Just navigate your way to our website, www.ablung.ca. There you can see renderings of the new building, videos of past lung transplant patient, transpla- patients, that's hard to say, and their stories as well as resources for many different kinds of lung diseases. Remember that if you'd like to suggest a topic or theme for a future episode of our show, head to www.ablung.ca forward slash unsung-lung. There you can tell us your favorite parts of each show, pass along advice for how you think we could improve, and of course, recommend future episode topics. Okay, so that'll be it for this episode of the Unsung Lung Podcast. I would just like to thank every listener of our show. You are the reason that I am lucky enough to keep hosting and producing this amazing show that uh, we get to listen to once a month. And without you here, we wouldn't have a program. So thank you. I'll wrap up things with our motto. As always, just remember to breathe.